0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
1: Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag
0: und tanze vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied.
1: Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast. I'm your host Manu Veth, he is Stefan Bienkowski. First of all, Stefan, how's it going?
0: Yeah, very, very well. Uh, springtime is here, the sun is out, it's, it's warm-ish. Um, but I I reckon I haven't had as good a day as you so far.
1: <laughs> yeah you're probably right uh i spent the day skiing in Ishkel, um and i had a great time um it's wonderful weather you know perfect skiing conditions about minus three to plus four degrees um the entire day and just sunshine so mm. yeah i can't really complain too much um Yeah, it's been a good day, a really good day. (laughs) But yet, I still managed to make this podcast, so there you go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it's uh, since you're in a good mood, maybe we should start with a game that you actually attended, shall we? Well, actually, we should probably cut
1: to the break first, actually, what we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah we should do first the break and then we should cut straight to the game that I actually (laughs) went to because yeah, a quick break today because we have tons to discuss and uh, we don't, we want to make sure that we get it all on tape. So yeah, let's get to the break real quick um, and then dive right into it. This episode of the game pressing podcast is brought to you by bet online. Bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and much more. you always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE That is believe B L E A V believe to receive your first reward. BetOnline AG, where the game starts. So yeah, Stefan, you mentioned it. Um, I did actually go to a game on Saturday, and uh, our job is a lot of work. Before we get into that actual game, our job is a lot of work. But whenever you go and get to go to a game, you know, that is like always the best. I just, you know, this was my first game this year and I always just think it's it, that's always the best. You get to go to a big stadium, you know, there's the shining lights and um, you get to... What's always nice too, when I'm back in Munich, I meet a bunch of... Um, journalists and friends that like work there right and you you're always able to catch up and it that's always the best it's just the best and i want to give a big shout out to james thoroughgood someone we both know quite well right um i i was able to catch up with him he says hi stefan
0: yeah well hello back to james if he's listening yeah very very (laughs) nice guy indeed
1: yeah so yeah, he's he's doing well. Um, if he listens to the show, shout out to him. But yeah, the game, I thought it, it was actually a quite an interesting game to be to be quite honest with you. Um, I think a lot of people expected Bayern Munich to really take Bochum apart. and you know what? they did not. Um, it took them a full 41 minutes to actually score a goal. And I felt so bad for poor Manuel Riemann because him and Janku, another calamity. And this is literally, what was it, like three or four days after the German Cup where they were really good against Borussia Dortmund as well. Like, really, really good. I thought they they went toe-to-toe with them. And it was a mistake at the defensive end that Manuel Riemann was involved in too that kind of undid them. And I, I remember just thinking to myself, look, if they go 0-0 into halftime, they might have a chance here. But then you give away a goal like that and it becomes really, really tough, right? But even, you know, in the end of the day, they lose 3-0, but you just wonder what could have been if you carry that 0-0 into halftime and you know, especially this year, and you talk to Bayern Munich players and the Julian Nagelsmann, the head coach, and they all point this out, right? That they are so so very worried about not scoring an early goal because the longer it takes them to score that first goal the harder it actually gets for them to break their opponents down they're the first to admit it that that's a real issue for them so if you actually give Bayern Munich a goal it becomes just so much harder to actually come back from it and I thought that first half until that moment was so very perfect by Bochum and you know what you'd be hardened by that right because if you're Buchum fan, you look at that and you say, "Okay, well, we played well against Dortmund. We played well against Bayern. We might have a chance of staying in the league here."
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you say that Bayern struggled to break them down, which I guess is technically true because Bochum managed to break themselves down in- entirely on their own. Uh, yeah, that first goal was such a hammer blow, and even the I think it's the second goal maybe. Um, the Coleman goal, yeah, yeah, which I put down to poor goalkeeping. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, I thought Riemann had a really poor game. It goes right through him. Yeah, exactly. At yeah, the front post, you're 100 percent right. Um, yeah, and it 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 it. I mean, I I didn't catch this game. Um, just I just couldn't watch it because I had uh, plans. But um, from the highlights, it looked like a match which, you know, Bournemouth have been much better in recent weeks. As you said, we saw that against Dortmund, but. It just seemed like a game in which they kind of fumbled the lines, really, uh, which can obviously happen at the Allianz Arena. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Bocum will have to take too much from that. You know, whether they stay up or not isn't really going to come down to whether they win, win, win points at the Allianz Arena at the end of the day. Um, and I think their fans can still be really kind of confident with their performances the last couple of weeks. But I mean, I'm intrigued to know what you take from this game ahead of the PSG match, which. You know, as we're recording this, is about a day away, mm. so I think it's fair to say we can probably got just enough time to preview these Champions League matches. So, you know, obviously PSG are a much different, much bigger opponent, much completely different beast. Um, yeah. I mean, are you? Do you think Bayern fans should be hopeful going into that game? Bearing in mind that it now looks like Kylian Mbappe will play.
1: Mm. I thought well. The, the PSG were playing the same time than, um, than uh, Bayern Munich were, right? Um, it was a simultaneous, um, simultan- almost simultaneously, I think the games were like 30 minutes, kicked off 30 minutes apart or something like that, and they lost um, quite heavily to Monaco, um, and I looked at that lineup, uh, the PSG lineup, and it was essentially their second team, right? They're running away with, the, with League, uh, to such an extent that they c- they can rotate, um, and they don't really have to worry about results, uh, which is something that that's a luxury Bayern Munich do not have this year. Um, they cannot rotate even against Bochum, right? They have to play um, their best players whenever possible because. You you lose this game and you lose first place, right? If they had drawn or lost to Bochum, Union Berlin would now be first, um, and that's that's something that Nagelsmann actually pointed out post game that they they feel like they put they're qu- it under quite a lot of pressure in the Bundesliga, which means that they have come up they have to come up with sort of a mini rotation, which still gives them the best possible lineups, um, which is also one of the reasons why you know João Cancelo started on the left as a winger, um, and he quickly he quickly discarded that idea in the second half. He brought on Coman, who was then playing um, on the right. Alfonso Davies then playing his traditional position on the left, right, and that they looked much better in that. But I think it's really quite interesting that, and I, I almost wonder because I wrote something uh, for Forbes post-game about this, sort of like an outlook on what that means. A lot of the players, when they went through the mix zone, uh, especially the French-speaking people said said to the press, we'll we'll talk of the Paris, we'll talk of the Paris, right? Um, And there seems to be a really strong focus about it. But I almost wonder if this... Bayern Munich being under pressure in the Bundesliga, and they are, you know, like Dortmund are three points behind them, Union is one point behind them. Yes, Leipzig lost, but I still wouldn't quite count them out. Frankfurt lost, but I wouldn't quite count them out either. They have had two spells now in the league where they were in a lot of trouble while they were playing well and actually played well in the Champions League during that, that very same spell, right? And I actually almost wonder if that favors them a little bit, Stefan, because you under so much pressure and you have to perform every single one of your players, even though if you are able to rotate a few of them, they have to come in and be at the very best right away. And I am actually, I actually wonder if this sort of situation, which is something that in the past it didn't really happen when, when they finally did meet the big sides, because usually they don't meet a big side in this stage, right? If that actually gives them a little bit of an advantage and like, yes, Killian Mbappe is training, um, Nagelsmann was asked about that, and he said, "Like we'll face whoever we're gonna face, you know. We have to we we will put out our best eleven and not really worry about who they're gonna put out. But like, let's say Kylian Mbappe is back, is he really gonna be a hundred percent fit? I don't think so. So, I think Bayern Munich, from what I from what I gathered, the fact that they're actually being challenged in the league is something that they like." And did they think it's an advantage for them? Mm.
0: No, I think it's an absolutely fair point. You know, we often hear Bayern fans maybe argue that because they can often have the Bundesliga tied up by about February or March, it can sometimes have a you know a a uh, a a poor result on how they perform or how they prepare themselves for the Champions League latter rounds and. I think you're absolutely right, and I think it's quite interesting that maybe if you'd gone back six or eight weeks ago, um, and you were kind of looking at the injuries that were beginning to pile up for Bayern, um, you know, after the World Cup, and I think we probably did this ourselves. We talked about how, you know, even though the the most important thing in the immediate term is obviously the champions or the Bundesliga, there was always that kind of looming match against PSG, um, which because of the nature of Bayern Munich and because there's so much, so little weight, really, that another Bundesliga title adds to things, their seasons now are basically defined by how they do in the Champions League. And I think getting PSG at that at this stage in the competition is such a potential, not even a banana skin, but it's such a huge barrier for them or or a hurdle to jump over because, you know, if they get knocked out at this point in the campaign, um... It completely changes the the kind of the 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 outlook upon which fans have for them of the season. I mean, Bayern could get knocked out by PSG in the Champions League this month, um and they could win every single game between now and the end of the season and it really wouldn't make up for it. You know, I really think that's how heavy that's how much weight we have to apply to these Champions League games. Um and going back to when we got, we, when we returned from the World Cup, it looked like Bayern were in a kind of sorry state, but they have improved and they have kind of weathered the storm. As I've kind of said in recent weeks, they came up against two very good sides in Leipzig and Frankfurt uh, and they managed to avoid losing to them. And, you know, if you actually kind of look at how Bayern have played in the last 10 games, 7 wins, 3 draws, 0 losses, they've only conceded 8, eight, eight goals and scored 27... Compare that to PSG, uh, who've got five wins, one drawn, four losses, um, and the fact that, as you said, Mbappe's not fit, Messi's maybe not fit, the, kind of, the, the table's completely turned here. And now PSG are going into this match in all sorts of bother. And it'll be really interesting to see how it works out. I mean, because maybe, maybe when these two teams come up against other top tier clubs, you know, these players who've been out of form for the last couple of weeks might suddenly kind of click into gear. Uh, because they know they want it, so it's 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 still a huge challenge for Bayern. But I just think it's really impressive the way that, despite all the kind of drama around the club and the noise and arguably their performances, Nagelsmann's he is managing to kind of grind out some sort of consistency here, and they now go into this game in a pretty good shape, I think.
1: Yeah, it's also interesting when you talk to people around the club, um, there's a general sense, and I think I think they might be right about this, that the Bundesliga is a lot stronger this year than it was in past years. Um, there's a lot more clubs chal- challenging, right? Like Bayern might still win it in the end, they probably will, but th- there seems to be a lot of clubs really putting a really good challenge in, right? And that makes it, it it makes it actually better for Bayern I think they almost think to themselves like we actually have to we have to have to watch out here we can't just go into a Bochum game and think oh we're just going to beat these guys up 7-0 right like this is not how this is going to go we have to go in here with our best 11 and we have to grind out a result um, because if we don't we might be second or third right and I think that is I that is an aspect that they haven't had for many years um, because it's, the challenge is not coming from one or two it's not for, from one club but it's coming from two or three and I think that they I actually think that they're enjoying it Stefan
0: no absolutely I think I think uh, yeah I'm just I'm just really intrigued going to this game and see how they do um, because PSG still have that kind of talent that can kind of win a game on its side and I think even when Bayern have been playing better yeah. there's, there's still a little ropey in defence you know um especially when you mm-hmm. kind of like some of those defenders come one on one with better forwards. Um so I think it's still kind of a, it's still fifty fifty I think in terms of the tie. But yeah, no, I think you know yeah. I think Bolcum probably did them some big favours on Saturday by basically throwing two goals into the back of the net for them. Um but <laughs> you know <laughs> but I guess we'll just yeah. kinda of have to wait and see how it goes. But
1: but they know it. They, they know it. I asked I asked Müller about this post game, and he's like, "Well, you know, like he he had to work for this goal, but he said like we we we're relying a little bit too much on luck at the moment." Um, so they know it, um, which is of course then also makes you go into a game like PSG, realizing that you really have to put in the work, right? Um, It's really interesting. I think it's all really interesting. This PSG matchup is going to be fascinating. I think the Bundesliga is quite fascinating because you have Bayern at 43, you have Union at 42. We're going to talk about them a bit. And then you have Dortmund at 40. And Dortmund, Stefan, to like maybe transition to that game because they obviously have a really big Champions League game as well this week, right? Where they are actually going to be the favorites, which is kind of surprising considering what they're facing. But Dortmund now six games in a row that they have won. I mean, that is a remarkable run for a team that had some really bad press, including from us, for quite some time. Um, I don't want to say we were wrong, because we I don't think we were, but I do think that Dortmund have turned it around. Um, they look a lot better, and the probably the prime primary reason for that is that Sebastian Haller is back, right? I mean, he does just help them... In so many ways, and you know what else has been fantastic in the recent weeks? Julian Brandt. Mm. Yeah, he managed to score a goal in his hometown, didn't he? yeah um,
0: I thought he was probably Dortmund's best player actually. Um, in this game, I think this match was really interesting because <laughs> I think it actually did a good job of summing up what what's going well at Dortmund right now and what maybe isn't going well at Dortmund right now. Um. You know, I kind of did a deep dive on Dortmund last week for my newsletter and kind of looked at how they're kind of changing under, well, not under Eden Terzic specifically, but more now that they're having to accommodate Sebastian Haller in that front line. And the really interesting thing about this game is that Yusuf Mukuku started up front, but he had to come off after 30 minutes with an injury. Um, And now it looks like he's going to be out for the next six weeks. And, you know, I don't want to kick the poor kid while he's down, but... I actually thought he was played terribly before he came off. Uh, he was trying to play that lone striker role and it just wasn't working the ball. He was trying to play with his back to goal. Every time he got the ball to feet, he, he struggled to control it. He's getting pushed around by the Bremen defenders and it looked kind of like Dortmund had reverted back to this very frustrated, very kind of um, wishy-washy team that just didn't really have a cutting edge to them. Uh, and Verder Bremen actually had a number of chances but then Haller comes on after 30 minutes and they, I, and they begin to revert back to that kind of team that we've seen over the last two or three games Uh, and that's when you kind of really begin to see the guys behind Haller come into their own I didn't even think Haller did anything in particular to play well himself but like you know as I said in Newslet just simply having his presence in the team allows the likes of Bellingham and Julian Brandt and perhaps most importantly these fullbacks to kind of... um have someone to play off of. I mean, that second goal that Dortmund scored, which uh, was the Julian Brandt goal, was because of Guillermo just making a really great run and he finds a through... And, he, and, he, and Brandt makes the run for him, which I don't even think Brandt can make that run unless someone like Sebastian Haller comes forward or pulls back, rather. Um, and so there's that aspect to it where I think, yeah, you know, basically... Terzic probably wants to give Haller a rest out of the Chelsea game, brings on the second striker, and they look like the old Dortmund. The other thing that I think is quite interesting is that it's also maybe the second or third game in a row now, or perhaps the sixth game since what, this has basically happened in every game since we come back from winter break, um, that that Terzic has had to turn to his bench to bring someone on to change something, and actually I saw a really interesting stat. I think it was one of the um, the commentator during the Bundesliga game. I can't remember who it was, uh, but it's a great stat that basically said that Dortmund have got more goals from sus- substitutes off the bench than any other team in the Bundesliga this year. And I think that really, I think that really speaks to the strength and depth in this side, um, at least in an attacking sense. And that's undoubtedly offered them an extra angle or an extra factor and it's allowed them to almost kind of blow teams away since the start of the year um, and I think that's a good thing but I think it also goes some way to masking over the fact that more often than not Terzic sometimes doesn't get his tactics right the first time around um, buying Gittens, for example continues to really thrive when he gets a chance to come on maybe he plays better as a substitute right now because of his age and his profile you know who am I to say but it's it, it it's it's striking to me that you know he's he's not he's not a starter in this team. Um, you know he's already kind of replaced Daniel Mal in that regard as he's 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 now the go-to substitute. But I just think that was really interesting as well. So it'll be interesting to see how Dortmund line up against Chelsea in an attacking sense because you know Terzic has obviously got so many options and more often not maybe not more often than not but sometimes he doesn't really pick the right ones. And the only other final thing I wanted to bring up here actually was the the um the the build up to the Bayern Gettens goal uh, was actually a re- a really great run from Nico Schlotterbeck and i just think it was almost like pound for pound a remarkable Mats hummel's uh, tribute you know the way that he just kind of danced through opposing players almost played like a one two with Bayern Gettens to set up the goal and i think it did a really good job of summing up schlotterbeck as well In a sense, I think it was Andy Brasso who said he's a great player learning to become a great defender. And, you know, whether he's a good enough defender for Dortmund or whether he's developing into a good enough defender for Dortmund uh, is a different topic entirely. But he does, and he has shown over these last five or six weeks, how good he is in an attacking sense or how good he is at like developing uh, attacking plays, creating goals, even scoring goals, I think. So... It's 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 all, it's all very encouraging for Dortmund, but I also think we also have to make a point to say Werder Bremen also played very well in this game. Um, I think... Th- I was quite surprised that their XG was only 0.47 um, compared to Dortmund's 1.97, because I would have said just from watching the game that it would have been almost even, and Bremen missed a number of outstanding chances to you know, level the scoring or even win the game. Uh, so... I d- it certainly wasn't a game in which Dortmund dominated, uh, and I think Bremen can certainly take something from the performance, but yeah, it'd be really interesting going into that Chelsea game what happens, because it was a fascinating game to watch
1: Yeah, I, I'm really intrigued to see what happens in this Chelsea game, because Chelsea have really a, struggled under Graham Potter right, um, is it, it's now 31 points in 22 games they're ninth in the Premier League um, they're eight points behind a European spot. Not even like a Champions League spot, just a European spot. Ten points behind the Champions League spot. Um, the fourth spot is currently occupied by Newcastle. Um, the teams that are in front of them include Brantford, Fulham and Brighton. The very Brighton that Graham Potter has come from, right? And I... it's 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 going to be really intriguing because I think Dortmund... When you had, if you had looked at this before the season, right? You would have said Chelsea are the favourites going into this tie, but I think, and I, I don't want to use the word unfortunate, even though it is kind of accurate. I think, unfortunately for Dortmund, they're the favourites here. This is this is their game. This is their tie to lose. Um, yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I think Chelsea are all over the place. They're, they're really struggling to score goals as well. Uh, I also think it's really interesting if you actually look at how many games. Uh, You know, the English sides in particular have played since the last round of the Champions League. And you compare it to Dortmund, uh, you know, I could tell you for a fact right off the top of my head that Dortmund have played nine games since their last Champions League game, um, uh, which was against Copenhagen, I believe. Um, But if you bear with me for a minute, I can actually pull up Chelsea's fixture list uh, and... I think it's quite striking, actually, that they've probably played a lot more football, which is also down to the fact that the Bundesliga obviously has an extended winter break. But yeah, um, since since uh, their last championship, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 games, I think, Chelsea have played. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's only three games, I suppose, or no, four games. Uh, That's
1: quite a bit if you include the World Cup.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, hey, Chelsea have, you know, a hilariously big squad at the moment, uh, as we all know, so maybe... In this
1: case, that's not a good thing. Yeah, maybe, but
0: (laughs) I think that's quite interesting. I do think it's interesting, especially maybe, you know, for the other Bundesliga teams as well, that I think maybe the German clubs go into this game with fresh legs, perhaps, but... Yeah, we'll, mm. we'll see. It. We'll see how Dortmund do. I think I completely agree with you. They probably go into this game technically maybe as favourites because they are in good form. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see how
1: Dortmund do against them. what is still a very good side with very good technical players. As you say, North America Vegas favours Dortmund, right? That's what the odds are saying. Um, you know, and um, I mean it's the odds makers in in the UK as well, right? You just look at the the mess that Chelsea has been. Um it kind of makes sense that they feel that way. Um I was thought it was really intriguing what you said about um Terzic and his tactics. And I, I wonder how much of that is still due to them maybe being still a little bit reluctant to start Sebastian Halle in every single match. Mm. Right? Because like, the guy had cancer yeah <laughs> you know it, it's fair enough that they're rotating him in and out but I wonder how much of that rotation that we're seeing is them I, I wonder how much of that gets settled down once they say okay, we can play him 90 minutes weekend midweek weekend right um, when I think when they get to that point, the other pieces are gonna kind of fall into places as form well. we're going to see a little bit less rotation. But because I'm pretty sure that they, they were reluctant to start Halaire on the weekend because they want to start him against Chelsea.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. And I mean, it it there's a good chance we might see Anthony Modestin this Chelsea tie at some point or another because, you know, having even though Mokuku didn't have a great game, I thought against Bremen, him being out for six weeks, I think is a huge problem for Terzic because it does now mean that they probably have to rely on Haller a lot more than they would have wanted to. I mean, let's remember that he maybe wasn't even expected to come back until maybe a week or two ago, you know, but he's, he was able to, he's now able to play the full, he was able to play from the get-go, actually, since the return of the Bundesliga. So he's obviously way ahead of schedule. I mean, there were points in that Bremen game where the camera cut to him and he did look exhausted, uh, I must I must say, you know, and... I think maybe he didn't really fancy the fact that he had to play an extra sixty minutes, but um, no, it's it, it 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 it's it's going to be a really interesting one to see how, what they do with them and how they play with them and whether maybe after this Chelsea tie, if they try and shake things up, um, and you know maybe even playing like someone like Marco Royce up front as a false nine for half for forty five minutes or something like that or. Or maybe Modest is finally interested in actually trying to score some goals at Dortmund. Uh, he's, hey,
1: he went there for the Champions League, so that's his chance.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the interesting thing is that, like, I know Modest isn't really a target man. I know he, he unfortunately gets painted as such because of his, you know, his profile and his size. And he's actually more of a kind of penalty box striker. So he's actually probably closer to Makuku in the way he plays his football. Uh, but... It would be interesting if now that this team has began to morph into a certain style of football because uh, Haller's in that side and you now have, you know, these kind of roaming wing backs who are happy to swing the ball into the box. It would be interesting to see if Modest can now step at, back into this team and, you know, things are a little easier for him because that space has already been provided for him by Haller, if you know what I mean. Um because Makuku did get plenty of the ball in this game, he just it, it just wasn't where he wanted it or how he wants to play with it. Um, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be very tricky for Dortmund without Mikuku. Um But luckily Haller's back, and they do just keep winning games, you know. And <laughs> we were talking about this over the weekend after RB Leipzig lost as to whether you know that's the title race over, and I was, and you said, well, there's still Dortmund, and I said, look. <laughs> Dortmund could be within two points of Bayern going into the final match of the weekend of the season, and I still wouldn't say they're in the title race just because of, you know, how many times we Bundesliga fans have been burnt by this over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's f- that's fair. I I
1: that's a hundred percent fair. Yeah, but, <laughs> I'm not gonna argue with that.
0: <laughs> yes, but they do deserve a lot of credit for how they've played since the return of the season. Uh, they've yeah. got more points than any other team in the Bundesliga since the turn of the year, except only on Berlin. Uh, and w- mm. the two of them are way ahead with fifteen points each, and then Cologne and Bayern and Leverkusen have nine, so it 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 says a lot about how well they've done. And if mm. they can go and beat Chelsea now, at uh, you know at home, then that would be incredible.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, um, and I do think the league is going to remain interesting. You know what? I don't even think Leipzig are fully out of this yet, Stefan. Um, there was a mad statistic that they threw on. Um, the screens at the inside the allianz arena as the preview as they wrote out a preview for these the top spiel right which was an actual top spiel between union berlin and leipzig and um marco rose since marco rose has been in charge and that's despite them losing to life Leip- to union berlin they have collected the most points in the bundesliga 31 and that is i mean that's Thirty-one. They have thirty-six altogether. <laughs> 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 that is an incredible run. So you know, I wouldn't even completely call them out yet of this race. There's, I think there's, I think there's still at least one more. There's still at least one more episode in there for Bayern Munich where they're gonna drop two or three games in a row, right? And everyone else can or may benefit from it. Um, but also, like when we talk about the title race. I know every time I put out a tweet about Union Berlin being for real and them defying the XG, someone just answers and puts the XG table up there, right? I get it. Yes, at some point, they will revert to the means. They will drop down the table. But it's been 20 games and... As you rightfully and this is a really good point that you made when we talked on WhatsApp um, while we were discussing this game, it's too many seasons this year, right? Because you have a mini season, World Cup break, mini season, so it's not beyond the odds for you to break to 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 go on a run that defies your XG and keeps you above the means, heck. Okay, this is off topic. There is currently a team in the National Hockey League hockey, ice hockey, right, that's currently outperforming the xG and they have been doing it for 60 games. We all know the means is going to come and get them and it's probably going to be in the playoffs. The Bundesliga doesn't have playoffs. If you are able to outperform your xG, it will probably get them at some point next year, right? Mm. But it might not get them this year. Right? Yeah. No,
0: absolutely. I think so. Yeah, sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off there.
1: No, no, go, go, go for it before I keep ranting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um Yeah, I mean look, it it it's 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 such an interesting thing that the way that Union's season has played out and we obviously talked about how they were kind of I think we even predicted that he'd have a strong start to the Rook just because of how they did at the start of the season and that's exactly what they've done. And I mean, they have made changes in January. Uh, and I think they've also probably learned a lot of lessons since from the way that the the first half of the season went uh, in terms of how they really did begin to kind of peter off. And I think it's also quite impressive that they've managed to have this strong start to twenty twenty three, despite the fact that someone like Jordan Sabat who isn't scoring goals like he did in the first half of the season. So it's not as if it's not as if they're relying on any one player to drag them into these games or into win these games, and when that player doesn't perform you know, things just, the, the wheels come off. It's it's not like that at all, really. And I also think Union, or perhaps more than most teams of Booneziga, are extremely well aware of keeping uh, tabs on how many minutes each player plays, on rotating that squad, uh, and making sure that, you know... Th- th- that, that the tactics um, that are impl- Im- implemented are only done so with players who are physically capable of doing that so I think the, the the question for Union now between now and the end of the season is whether they do drop off like they did last season or see I'm already, called, I'm already referring to it as last season uh, as nah, they did I mean that's it's fair though <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is too I, I actually think you you were spot on when you said that it's too many too, it's too many seasons
0: yeah well, yeah, okay. Well, just for the sake of the listeners, I'll, I'll try not to call it that. Um, but yeah, I think that's the question: is whether the, that that kind of that kind of drop off will come again, because that's kind of what will decide whether they are in a title race or not. I know anyone are certainly not suggesting that they're in a title race by any means. Um, but for the rest of us, neutrals and Bundesliga fans, and we want to see something like that happen, then that's kind of what we have to keep an eye on, I suppose. Um, but beating RB Leipzig in the manner in which they did in this game really is a sign of intent because they came up against as you've said you know one of the most informed teams in Germany this season uh you know a team who've beaten Real Madrid a team who perhaps should have beaten Bayern Munich a few weeks ago uh, and for Union to go to the Red Bull Arena and to win that game really it, it suggests that they're not just a very good mid-table side who are picking up the points that they should win It suggests that in one-off games... And we saw that last season as well, to an extent against Bayern. In one-off games, they can hold their own, you know. So um, it is really exciting for Neon Berlin. And and then on the flip side, it's also quite disappointing for RB Leipzig. And and this is kind of what I was talking about um, on one of the shows last week. I can't remember which show it was. Maybe it was the preview show. But, um, you know, talking about how those two results that Bayern picked up against Leipzig and Frankfurt... Were seen at the time as kind of disappointing results from a Bayern point of view but what kind of differentiates Bayern from these other teams that, 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 that say the contenders is that they make sure they don't lose these games because they probably know Leipzig are going to drop points down the line and this is exactly what has happened um, and it would be really interesting to see how Leipzig bounce back. I didn't get to watch this game um, and because of the Bundesliga's limited YouTube videos uh, I couldn't even really comment fully on you know some of the decisions that were made and some of the uh, plays that came about from it. So I'm, I'll, I'm obviously going to have to rely on how you think these two teams played. But it'll be interesting to see how Leipzig respond to this game because they do have a really tough uh, list of fixtures coming up soon.
1: Yeah, I actually thought that both these teams quite played, played quite well. Um, you, what you have to say um, is that the referee probably got the equaliser wrong. The, the second goal by um, Yusuf Paulsen, right? That made it 2-2 and um, kind of drove me up the wall because if Leipzig had scored another, I would have gotten that result bang on. But <laughs> here we are. Um, but the referee, Daniel Schlager, got this wrong. Uh, what I thought was interesting about this is that... Um, so I did not watch this game completely live because I was in the Allianz Arena working. But I actually managed to then catch the game on the actual the sports studio, which is the, for people who don't know Germany. But at eleven o'clock at night, they do an extended kind of highlight show for the for the what they call the Topspiel, right? Um, and that's exclusively on ZDF, which is one of the national broadcasters. Uh, it's the equivalent of the BBC, and um, I guess there is is ITV a national broadcaster, Stefan?
0: Yes, but in, really. in in the UK, it's the BBC who show the Premier League and Sky Sports who right. show the Bundesliga.
1: Right, so like I guess RD and ZDF would be like as if the BBC had a second BBC, mm. right? Like Because RD is like BBC and B- ZDF is also like the BBC, but it's like we have two different stations that essentially... They filled a, a similar role uh, with different editorial groups. Anyhow, long story short, they have an extended <laughs> package which is the, similar to the match of the day in the BBC on the BBC, and um, so they showed it there. And then I actually went back on the zone and watched large parts of it too, kind of to watch it back. And it looks like uh, Schlager, the referee, really got that wrong um, because they changed this in its rule eleven. Um, in the laws of the game, that what happened was Timo Werner was offside. I mean, this is not headline news. He's a lot off, offside. Um, but in this case, he was actually not. Because there was a lot long ball coming from midfield laduni was was the 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 new defensive midfielder we praised on the show just a few weeks ago right as a great pickup and i guess uh he did his job sort of there um got got leipzig a point without meaning to he kind of like stretches his leg and plays the ball right and then it goes to werner And, and under the old rules um that would have meant that you know, Vienna would have been offside because he would have not deemed to play the ball because he didn't control it. But they changed the rules because it's a long, it's a long ball, and he did not control the ball, but he played it because he made a genuine attempt of playing the ball, right? So the goal should sort have of stood um, because even though he stretched out and he had very little chance of doing it. The time of the, the 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 way the ball was played and the time the ball was in the air meant that he would knew what he was doing and therefore it was an attempt of playing the ball, which means it was an action, which means he actually played Werner on site mm. and the goal should have stood. yeah so they got that wrong. <laughs> um, it was interesting though, because like they got this wrong. And all day Sunday, you had different referees debating this. Uh, Manuel Griefe, long-time standing referee, is a really good Bundesliga referee, FIFA referee, refereed some really big games internationally, Champions League, World Cup, etc. Right? He, he right away went on Twitter and he's been super critical. And he said, like, they got that wrong. And then Kolinas Erben, which is a really good Twitter account, they kind of were like, well, you know, maybe they didn't get this wrong and its interpretation. uh, But um, there was a really good article in the German magazine Kicker that broke this down. And yeah, uh, the Bundesliga bosses themselves actually have now decided that the refereeing team actually ended up getting this wrong. So there you have it. Um, But I guess that's a (sighs) Stefan... I was kind of worried about... There's one thing that I was worried about when VR came in. That we wouldn't have refereeing decisions to debate about anymore. That they would deprive us of content that people like us can produce. Isn't it beautiful that we still have it?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was such a fallacy that VR would fix these problems because, you know, at the end of the day, it still comes down to human error, into uh, human interpretation. And... I'm sure if Chris was here, he'd probably say the rules aren't black and white. The rules are there to be interpreted by the referee when they're on the pitch. So it's not as if mm-hmm. there's this Bible that has to be followed to the letter. It's the yeah. referee uses the rules to interpret. He would also
1: say it's the law, Stefan. Loss. Yeah, sorry,
0: laws. Not, not rules, but it's just it's, 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 it's to. I, I'm it's- just
1: sparing you a message from him. uh. <laughs>
0: <Yeah. laughs> um, <clears throat> Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I think I am always I always kind of come down in the line of finding it a little tedious to complain about refereeing decisions. And there was one made in the Frankfurt Cologne game, uh, which I thought was incorrect. And, you know, I thought it should have been a Frankfurt penalty because it looked like a handball. But then when I looked up the rules uh, or someone brought them to my attention on Twitter, made me realise, no, it actually was a correct call. So You can never tell whether these things are right or wrong, Um, and all we can kind of do is accept. At the end of the day, these referees are human; uh, they work under a lot of pressure, and they it it, it's when people start suggest that there's a bias or that there's. I mean, I know we we like to joke that you know the VAR team in Cologne are obviously all Cologne fans, um, but obviously. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> and it's pathetic that Cologne aren't, aren't even in the top six, despite all this help from these referees. Um, but no, I think, I think yeah, at the end of the day, it's not really worth getting too upset about these things do even themselves mm-hmm. out over the course of a season. And I don't think anyone in that Leipzig team would be saying we should have won that game or we should have got a point from that game, if not from this, that and the next thing. It just wasn't good enough at the end of the day, or they weren't good enough. Um, so, yep. yeah, I don't think there's much value in doing that, to be honest, and, and, and
1: complaining about referee calls. Yeah, I had like some people in my mentions that uh, Union Berlin are getting help from the referees and that the Bundesliga is biased towards um, a team um, like Union Berlin to keep the league more exciting. I'm like, when has anyone in West Germany ever, ever, ever helped anyone in East Germany? First of all. And second, uh, second, get out of here. Like... There's so many decisions that every team gets every week, you know. Um, I'm sure the karma police will be out there, and this is gonna come back. You know, Leipzig has had calls that went for in their favor. Union Berlin had calls that went in their favor. Bayern Munich get a lot of calls in their favor. Um, you know, like this just happens. I I actually think, actually, Stefan, there's a project called the Ware Tabelle which is owned by the company that we work for Transfermarkt where you can go in and you can check uh where the teams would be standing at if they were like if the refereeing decisions were cancelled out.
0: Mm. And
1: t- so and where, maybe where, where that, does that have, where does that have Bayern
0: munich?
1: I I have to check. Um <laughs> I haven't been on that site in a while but like yeah, let me see. I mean, the wahre tabelle um it's kind of funny that we have this as uh, a project on Transfermarkt, and we don't promote it better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I I just
0: don't think it's really worth complaining about. To be perfectly honest with you, um, and mm. yeah, I don't know. I think I think we we'll just kind of have to wait and see how how Leipzig get on with it, and how and how uh, Union get on with it as well, because. Two very good sides. Whether they're both still in the technical title race or not, I guess remains to be seen. So
1: do you want to know if if you take all refereeing decisions away and like if all the correct refereeing decisions had been made this year? Hmm. Eintracht Frankfurt would be first. They would have, would have been given five extra points. Bayern Munich would be second. They were awarded four points from wrong refereeing decisions. Leipzig uh, would be one point less. They would be third. Dortmund loss would be five points less, and Union Berlin, Ike's okay. People who complain in my Twitter feed will will be vindicated by this. They were given seven points extra by refereeing decisions, hmm. which is interesting. But Eindra Frankfurt, I mean, they the only only team that can complain. Is Eintracht Frankfurt? They should be first. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that I guess that decides it. Maybe Union Berlin really are in the title race if that's how it's going.
1: Yeah. 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 Maybe they're favored by the basement in Cologne. Maybe there's some Union Berlin fan uh pressing the buttons. Um anyway, Stefan, I, I think we're pretty much at the end of this this time. Um we'll have of course a lot of extra content. We'll do a some form of transfer show um this week. I guess our midweek show is going to be the Champions League recap. Yeah. Um so we should probably put a warning out for our listeners, right? That that might be a bit of a different time than usual yeah
0: i think that'll probably be out wednesday right after the dortmund game i I would imagine unless there's a late kickoff i've not checked yet uh but yeah so subscribers can expect that kind of reaction pod to both big games you know Bayern and dortmund are playing this week um yeah yeah on well it'd be wednesday evening or wednesday night uk or central european time
1: uh and then we'll do the transfer show on thursday i'd imagine yeah and another the preview show will be out on uh, Friday as per usual. I know we had people ask to bring us out earlier but it's just impossible because like we always need to react to midweek games and then the, you know it, yeah it's just it's just how it is. We can't do it any different. Um, yeah, we had so, one listener obviously. ask why I,
0: I had one <laughs> ask had one listener ask if there's any point in bringing it out on a Friday if it's not enough time to preview the Friday game which I have two points one there's no other time to bring it out because we do subscribe we do podcasts mm. for subscribers on thir- uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays, and two, the Friday game's almost always crap anyway, so no one really needs a preview to that much,
1: yeah, I and mean, we we really always go like here's the Friday game, okay, done, yeah, and then we just go to <laughs> all the other stuff <laughs> exactly um yeah, so I' we're not gonna do it any different, I'm sorry, but uh if you do not. Care about the Friday game, we could just skip through the thirty seconds that we usually previewed in. Um, but yes, all right. Anyhow, uh, that's it from us from the Monday edition. Uh, this, as always, the show is brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, thanks once again for listening, everyone. We'll be back soon with more content. Until then, auf Wiedersehen.